Hello and welcome. My name is Christopher Chandler. And my name is Chris Shower. And, and we, we are, are Generally, generally American. American. In our podcast, we discuss events, culture, whatever else we want from a generally American perspective. From our differing viewpoints, our goal is that we can offer others and ourselves nuanced opinions on fascinating topics related to the U.S. We invite you to be part of the discussion, and we hope that you'll stick around to see where the conversation takes us. So let's dive in. Hello. Is it miserable over there right now? <laughs> over here? Yeah, it's uh, yes. the weather-wise, yeah, it's pretty bad. Or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the... we're, we're having bipolar um, weather over here right now. Yeah, so we got hit with a real bad storm two days ago, I want to say. So, I mean, kind of like like a hurricane, basically. So the re really strong winds and um, a lot of damage. <laughs> a couple deaths, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah it should be over soon, though. But I went outside. Oh, it's still, <laughs> still going. Yeah, yeah. So, but... Well, I honestly thought I was going to have the most dramatic weather storm. Well, I do know that there are some <laughs> snowstorms going on in the U.S. at the moment. Well, yeah. Well, it's been weird here. In the Since the last two weeks we spoke, we've had a day where it's been 60 degrees, mm -hmm. so like a nice spring day. We've had it get really cold. We've had it snow sideways. How does it snow uh, sideways? So really windy. Huh. So when it snows like that, snow piles up in weird places and other places have no snow at all it's kind of weird mm. and uh now it's kind of warm again and then in the coming days i believe we have some negative double digit temperatures coming oh wow fahrenheit that's crazy no yes. so it's the weather has been okay-ish um i think they said uh, compared to last year it's 30 degrees warmer 30 degrees celsius by the way not fahrenheit <laughs> um so oh that's significant though. yeah i mean like last year in january it was minus like 15 or something so so like about freezing um in fahrenheit i believe i'm terrible at conversion but at any rate it was it's a lot warmer than it was last year um which some people suspect is the reason why we're having such strong storms at the moment and yeah because of the storm i didn't go to work um, I worked from home. <laughs> no, that's not too no, bad. So. We've had a few people do that here too. Our company is not a huge fan of work from home, oh. but sometimes the, like when it's warm, cold, warm, cold, as often as it is, the roads get really bad. And some people are like, I am not going to die coming into work. I don't have a very long drive to work. And even for me, sometimes it's a little sketchy, but, uh, yeah, yeah I don't blame people. Yeah, I'm not super scared of, of driving in a storm, but I don't want to drive over the highway, like doing doing 70 with like strong winds. I did that once and it, it, that was a couple of months ago and that wasn't fun. So I, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it hasn't been, a, it's been a mild one for you guys, right? A mild winter? winter? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's been pretty mild. Unfortunately, I really want to have like a really good uh, like a really good winter, you know, with lots of snow. Uh, and I used to go, I used to go to the Christmas markets, but because of the, the pandemic, you know, they closed most yeah. of them <clears throat> or you had to be like vaccinated or, or whatever. So that's no fun. 
our winters for everything I've said, our winter's been pretty mild too. Yeah, let's that being said, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility for March and April snow. Yeah, a- April showers. <laughs> Bring May flowers. Yeah, spring will be around the yeah. corner in a couple months. But <clears throat> anywho, so that is the bi-weekly weather report. <laughs> the bi-weekly uh bi-continental yeah you have the bi-continental weather report i like that (laughs) so what are we touching on so everyone's favorite topic the death penalty yeah a topic a lot of people have very strong opinions on because for most people it's not a logical opinion they have it's an emotional opinion and hmm. I don't, I'm not saying this disparagingly. I had the same thought for a long time. Um, I had a lot of very strong, edgy opinions about it when I was uh, in my teens that I've since grown out of. I, I, gotta, I gotta stop you there. What's an edgy opinion? Okay, so I remember having this debate with my biology teacher in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get super heated. He just felt one way and I felt another. He was anti-death penalty and I was pro-death penalty. And he hit me with the statistic, well, it costs more money to execute somebody than it does to keep them in prison for life. And I'm like, well, that's just an efficiency problem. What's wrong with a rope? Mm-hmm. I'm like, rope's not expensive and you can reuse the rope. Yeah. And of course, that's a <laughs> that's pretty edgy. You know, horrible, horrible oversimplification and everything of course dumb teenage me thought wow those chemicals that they use for lethal injections are so expensive what's wrong with a rope it's probably quicker um yeah what's actually costing all that money this is a good thing our system the places that still do have the death penalty Mm -hmm. have trial after trial hearing after hearing there is as much bureaucratic nonsense between a prisoner and their execution as possible to make. Uh, the idea is if something goes wrong, if something doesn't look right, somewhere along the way, the whole thing gets thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. And unlike in, in uh, well, I don't want to name places, but in, in some places, you know, justice is pretty quick. So you get your sentence and then, you know, they carry it out right afterwards. But Whereas in the U.S., even if you get the death penalty, I mean, it could be years or decades before it's actually implemented, which contributes to the costs, basically. Yes, which, which again, is part of that process. Um, and part of the reason we've been talking about this today, the U.S. actually did, uh, I believe, one or two days ago, they did execute somebody. Mm. There, and, and this is something I have complex feelings on. Um, his name was Gilbert Ray Postel. He was execu- executed by the state of Oklahoma. Um, in 2005, he, um, I don't believe he directly murdered four people. I think that day he murdered two or three people and one succumbed later. But um, as, a, as a result of his actions, four people are dead. And two of the people he murdered, he chased and hunted down. So extra... Um, malicious i suppose you could say trying to avoid using the word evil so he did this when he was 19 mm. in the year 2022 i believe he is 35 now he has now been executed for that crime 
And it sounds like he apologized. He freely admits he did it. It seems clear cut. He definitely did it. I still don't think I like it. What's the what's so you said you wanted to avoid using the word evil, but why? Nah, evil, evil is a uh, for any for any of you Dungeons and Dragons fans out there, you know there can be lots of debate over what constitutes the word evil, and I suppose other people from a more philosophical standpoint. But it, it, it's hard to say something is or someone is definitively evil. Most people believe from their perspective what they're doing is right. Yeah, that, that's a huge problem. I think everyone yeah. who does anything believes they're doing it from, from a place of good or from a place of, I guess, necessity or justification. So in that context, yeah, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, call anything evil. I don't want to uh, use Godwin's law. Um, I'm not going to even describe it, but you know, if you're, if you're interested, Google Godwin's law. Um, I'm going to have to do that later. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, definitely. And you you read a lot of these articles about people being you know put put to death, and I used to be completely for the death penalty before I moved to Europe. <clears throat> I guess maybe it was similar to yours, but my feeling was if, you know, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So, you know, if they took someone's life, then they deserve to lose theirs, which was my thinking. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking of it from a more utilitarian yeah, that's true. standpoint. Like this person has demonstrated they are willing to take other lives. We will remove them. And by removing them, we are removing the possibility they'll ever do it again which in hindsight is silly. I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to know what the rate of repeat murderers, like people who have murdered someone, been convicted of murder, spent 20 to 50 years in prison, gotten out and then done it again. I'm sure it's happened, but it's, it's probably not that high. I think more often than not, a lot of these crimes are crimes of passion. So it's not like they run around you know, needlessly killing people. Um, mm. Well, and I think that in, in the case we were discussing, I think that's why this one got pushed for the death penalty. Mm. There was a confrontation and two of the victims ran away and he hunted them down. At a certain point, I, I think that stops becoming a crime of passion. That's true. I'm guessing that's a strong argument yeah. they used in court. Yeah, my, my question is those, or, or what I've always wondered is what's the point of the death penalty? Is, is it to punish the person or is it used as like a deterrent? Because if it's used to punish the person, then I guess it's the ultimate punishment. But if it's used as like a deterrent to keep people from doing bad things, I would say it's incredibly, incredibly ineffective <laughs> because people still, you know, commit horrible crimes, even if there's like, you know, there's a penalty for it. So. Absolutely. Well, and usually... I suppose if you're, there's a difference, if you're going to do something so dangerous that I think warrants the death penalty, that person's probably accepted. There's a good chance they're not going to survive anyway. I mean, if you're going to go and, mm. you know, do some mass murder or something like that, I, I mean, maybe they're not all mentally there, but. I mean, that's true, but I think more often than not, a lot of these like draconian laws, this is my favorite word, by the way. <laughs> 
It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, a lot of these draconian laws, like a lot of these harsh laws, um, you only really know about them after the fact. So one thing I find very peculiar about the U.S. is that you often have like plea bargains, um, which don't really exist in other countries. And more often than not, they use the death penalty as like a poker chip. Yes. Which I find yeah. to be kind of disgusting in a way. It's extremely distasteful. Yeah. So I don't like it because you basically see like, hey, you know, if you do this, then you'll get life. But if you don't, we'll kill you. And I think it's in, I think it's kind of dishonest because it puts someone in a position of not being able to make an informed decision you know you're basically threatening someone with their life so i don't like that and another thing that's kind of weird is the u.s is kind of split on this issue i think around half of the states in the u.s have death penalty whereas the other half doesn't um and in the 70s there was a moratorium which basically means um for the whole country it was forbidden you know, it was illegal. The death penalty was illegal in the 70s. And fun fact, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why Charlin Manson didn't get the death penalty. <laughs> because uh, when he committed his crimes, you know, with the Manson family in the 70s, the death penalty wasn't allowed. So. And th- Which, honestly, I I want people like that to be miserable. I mean, he died a couple of years ago, life. so. Yeah, I want them to be miserable in prison their whole life with no hope, I guess. I don't know. It just, a lot of these things, I guess, death just feels too quick. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, there's another issue that's often raised is if what if the person is innocent? And yes, it, it, it's, it's, it's 100% happened. Oh, provably happened. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <clears throat> Even after the fact, you know. Um, you have like a lot of these lynchings that went on in like the 20s, 30s, and even in the 40s. I mean, they still happen, unfortunately, but they're incredibly rare. And more often than not, people were lynch mobbed, basically. And it turned out that they were innocent. So that... I mean, that's that's terrible, but at least that isn't usually completely state sanctioned no it's not state sanctioned not not i don't think at all actually but well i mean you know with some maybe with some local governments in the south some people intentionally look the other way or joined in but Mm. there i don't believe there was ever officially on paper we are okay or we're gonna go do a lynch mob or something you know what i mean yeah yeah that's true and so, well, I don't know what when your opinion changed or why, but when I came here, my wife and most people here are kind of, they're definitely against it. But I still think there are people in Europe who want the death penalty, but they can't have it. But you shouldn't always get what you want. So it's kind of, they're kind of split on the issue. But her, my wife's thinking was basically, you're punishing someone with the same crime they committed. So you know like the whole eye for an eye tooth for a tooth makes the world blind and toothless i think gandhi said that so and that's kind of how i feel i and a lot of what changed my mind is the people i would want executed don't really exist (laughs) because in my childish brain i'm like well what if there's like someone who's killed 
hundreds of thousands of people. Well, the, those people don't really exist. I mean, there, there have been cases of horrible dictators and things like that. And that's kind of a different story, but yeah, people who like, my brain is like conjuring cartoon villains, people with superpowers that are too dangerous to be left alive. Those people don't exist. But for, I guess, yeah, I see what you mean. I think for some people, it's like, if the crime is so, if the crime is so horrible, then it warrants the death penalty. But for me, it's like, for most crimes, there's, there's some way for you to make, to make amends, you know, to, you know, do good by the people that you did wrong in some way, shape or form. Usually like, you know, if you rob a bank, then maybe you can return the money. Or if you insult someone, then maybe you can apologize or I don't know. So, or something like that, you know? So there's some way that you can make amends for your crime. Even if you go to jail, you know, you can make it good again. But with things that go along with like the death penalty, there, there's nothing that you could ever do. There's nothing that you could ever say that will undo your crime. You know, usually like the common reason why people get the death penalty is, you know, for murder. But it's not like you can unmurder someone. You, you, you know, you, you can't bring them back to life. And even you dying doesn't, you know, undo that. <clears throat> so in that sense, I don't really see the point in killing someone. And it, it's not going to make anything good again. And I think I would get more satisfaction out of someone having to live with their crime, with what they did. Mm-hmm. And in the hopes that maybe... I don't know, maybe they'll get absolution from, from their religion or whatever, but they'll come to terms with that. And they'll at least, you know, own up to it and make amends. But it, Right, be some sort of positive force. In the yeah, world. I mean, even if they're behind bars, I don't think they should be free. But, I mean, if you kill one person or if you kill a thousand, a thousand people, I don't think it makes a difference whether or not you give them the death penalty. Because at the end of the day, like, you could never punish them hard enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the death penalty is the ultimate penalty. But but if you apply it to basically everything, then it becomes kind of worthless. So, yeah. And, you know, what What I still kind of feel about this, that one case we were talking about, 19-year-old man kills someone, mm-hmm. and then later when he's 35, the state executes him. How much does that 35-year-old have in common with that 19-year-old? Is that 35-year-old still really the same person? I'm sure he thinks about it all the time. I'm sure, well, he apologized. I don't know how genuine it was, but I'm sure he's, I mean, he spent his whole life in prison and had the death penalty. I'm sure he at the very least regrets it for selfish reasons. Um, mm. I don't know. It's. I think about that a lot too. Um, I guess something that's less severe which is you had in like the 80s and 90s this concept of like super predators which was i think a term coined by a lot of politicians and those were kids so juveniles so between the ages of like like maybe like 10 and like 8 10 and 17 who committed like really horrible crimes and were repeat offenders you know like break-ins or like assault stuff like that and a lot of states implemented really harsh laws um, for repeat offenders and even for first-time offenders. So if like a child was convicted of like a sexual crime and you could convince the court that this child was capable of adult thinking, then they would sentence that kid to life. (laughs) So 
or even for like a couple robberies, like armed robberies. And so like there are a lot of children still in jail from these laws from like the 70s, from like the 80s and 90s who were like 10 and they get like these really long sentences of like 20, 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> and it's, and it's crazy. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the justice. I mean, we've, we've spoken about it before, but the justice system is kind of a mess, especially you have federal, you have punishments based on a federal level and you have punishments based on a state level. And then I think some, in some cases based on uh, city or county levels. So sometimes certain areas decide they want to go very hard on certain things and really make examples of people. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good uh, good phrasing of it is they want to make examples of people, you know, which is why they pass down these harsh judgments. But I don't feel like they do anything. I, I don't feel like the like these harsh judgments actually really help anyone. I think it makes people feel better about themselves. You know, like if you're really harsh on evil, quote unquote, um, then you're in good standing with your your constituents, basically the people you represent. Um, what my wife always found weird because we would watch like a lot of documentaries is that you can actually watch the death penalty being implemented. <laughs> and it's very, I don't know, it's very macabre. It's very sick. Um but you know they invite you and you can like look through like the glass and watch them inject the veins with uh with like the chemical solution and whatnot and i i thought that was like okay when i was in the us it's like well you know that that'll give you like your closure so to speak but now that i'm here i i kind of have her opinion that it's kind of it's very weird i wonder if that's just an old holdover from public executions and things like that like huh i didn't think about it i didn't think about it calling it like that but yeah that is a public execution if you want to put it that way <laughs> yeah. i guess that's a invite only private execution but there's going to be media and because executions don't happen that often anymore it's always an event of some kind when it does yeah the main reason why it's not happening anymore is they're not getting any of the drugs <laughs> so like a lot of these uh, a lot of these states don't have the drugs anymore, so they have to import them, but they can't import them because it's illegal. So it's kind of like a catch-22. So, Well, and most states don't even allow the death penalty anymore, from what I understand. They either don't allow it, uh, some flat out have outlawed it, and some just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's become more of a trend. I mean, hopefully we'll we'll get there where, they're, where it's completely outlawed. Um, mm -hmm. Well, when I was reading about this Oklahoma case, um, the reason that execution happened now is I believe in a few weeks, they're about to start hearings to outlaw the death penalty in Oklahoma. So they wanted to, oh, they wow. wanted to get this guy in while they could. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I guess it, go, it goes, also goes back to the fact that a lot of the prisons in the U.S. are privatized. So it's uh, it's you have like a financial incentive to keep people in prison for as long as possible and to, to send them back but i would say the justice system is i don't want to say it's the like the worst in the world because i don't really have like a comparison but it, it definitely needs reforming yeah so i would be i would definitely be for that 
for having like reformed the system. I can't remember if we um if we brought this up the last time we spoke about the topic, but the U.S. does have the highest incarceration numbers in the world, which is crazy. It's <laughs> yes, we're a larger country, but we're not the largest. We're not close. Proportionately, we do have the largest um, inmate population, and I think our inmate population rivals the actual population of some countries. <laughs> yeah, no, like proportionally, we're the highest, and raw like one to one numbers, we are the highest. Yeah, but. I mean, what are you going to do? So, and some, I guess some people feel it is like it's their right, you know, to, to have the death penalty. But I never, I never understood that. I never. Well, I, I think, I feel like I've heard, you know, you hear in a movie or something sometimes like, oh, that guy killed my daughter. Well, why does he get to be alive and she doesn't? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, then you have like vigilante justice or people go out and exact their revenge, basically. Um, mm-hmm. I get that. And like when you started off, you said it was, it's a very emotional response. And I think that's all, that's all it's ever going to be is an emotional response. Um, I mean, God, well, go on. If, if, and again, I, I I try to not mean this disparagingly because like if, if someone murders someone I really care about, I'm probably about to stop being so logical. Yeah. I'm probably about to get really emotional. Yeah. that I, I second that. I think, you know, if God, God forbid, if something were ever to happen to someone I love or someone you love in your situation, I would probably feel the exact same way. So in that sense, it's really, I guess it's more of like a cold analysis of the death penalty in that respect because i've never lost anyone in that way um but i don't know if you should like make judgments based on those kind of emotions (laughs) because if we did then the justice system would be in even more of a mess than than it already is (laughs) yes there there's a reason why there are law after law rule after rule procedure after procedure um in u.s law the ideas remove as much emotion from it as possible you present the facts impartial impartial parties make a ruling that's that yeah yeah i mean we we really try at least the american justice system really tries but i mean they're like like, there's so much violence you know like gun violence in the u.s for example and proportionally you also have like a high you know capital punishment right if i can put it that way but it doesn't really seem to like you know put a damper on it which is my which is my whole problem you know i think if people knew that they would be put in jail for the rest of their lives as opposed to being you know put to death i think that would be more of a deterrent than like the death penalty because you have this whole concept of like uh what is it called suicide by cop yeah, so that's pretty much the death penalty, you know, a self-imposed death penalty, you know. But if these shooters knew <laughs> they would have to spend the rest of their lives in jail, I think that would be a bigger deterrent than them taking the quote-unquote easy way out. Because it's well, here's also the thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's obviously not the same for people trying to commit suicide by cop, mm-hmm. but 
we all have high opinions of ourselves. Mm. We all like to think we can get away with things. And, you know, I can do this. I'm smart. I thought this out. I'm going to get away with it. Or even if I don't get away with it, I can probably plead down to a smaller charge. Um, we, we rarely think, oh, that worst case scenario is going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, we're all kind of egotistical like that. So I, I think a lot of people that I, that's kind of why I don't believe in the deterrent as much, unless we have some sort of awful authoritarian government where it's like, oh, well, it looks like you committed this crime. So proceed to the execution room, your appointments in 15 minutes next. And we do that all day, unless we're getting to that level, then I don't really believe in deterrence too much. Yeah. I, I don't think I would like to know if that's ever prevented someone from actually doing a crime. Because you you have like uh, like I read an article the other day about stonings in Afghanistan because of like the Taliban, and there was this one couple that had extramarital sex, and for the Taliban that was justification for the death penalty, so they were put to death, and that was the end of that for them. And for something as minute, I guess for us as extramarital sex at at most people think it's immoral you know but like no one's going to kill you for it in the u.s <laughs> like no justice system would do that um but people know what the punishment is for stuff like that in those kind of countries or where those countries where those kind of laws exist but they still do it so well here's the thing if you're having extramarital sex with your partner yeah how I mean, so for example, there are states in the U.S. where sodomy and things like that are illegal, right? Really? I didn't yes. know that. But it's one of those things. How do you enforce that? You're going to put a camera in everyone's bedroom? Yeah. That's kind of the <laughs> same with extramarital extramarital sex. Um, how you could probably realistically expect to do that and not be caught. Maybe, maybe there was a pregnancy involved. I mean, but other than that, or maybe an STD. I... Yeah, that's true. But it's, I guess the point I'm trying to get at it is even for something, even for something as, I, as I would say, as harmless as that and something as, as grotesque as ending another life, the consequences for both are the same, but the, the crimes themselves are on two different levels. Um, and even knowing what the consequences are for both crimes, you're still willing to commit the crime. Which to me says, like you said earlier, on some level, one, people don't think they're going to get caught. And two, even if they do get caught, they're okay, quote unquote, with, I guess, the punishment, so to speak. So it's not a deterrent. Like, and I don't know what you could put above the death penalty. Like, what, like what's the, there's no, there's no next level. You know what I mean? Like, that's the game over. That's, that's basically it. <laughs> like, that's the ultimate punishment as far as I'm concerned. Unless we're going to get into even worse territory and we're going to start torturing people. Okay, yeah, I mean... I'm not advocating for. No, I'm... want to make that clear. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of some places where they, you know, they implement stuff like that or they do, like, a generational, you know, punishment where they punish you, they punish your parents, and then they punish your grandparents and stuff like that. So... I mean, yeah, I guess you could get into stuff like that, but I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get to that level or hopefully, I mean, we could devolve. <laughs> right. Well, they, 
they say it's like that North Korea. Like if you get caught trying to escape, mm-hmm. um, you and your family, you know, are either going to get executed and put, or put in work camps, or even if you successfully escape and they find out the same thing is going to happen to your family, people still do it. Yeah, that's that's the thing is, even for like the, such a horrible punishment, people still do it. Now, I think people should be punished. Uh, I mean, I would like to live in a world where we didn't have to punish people. I would like to live in a world where we didn't have prisons, you know, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, what I do think we can at least reduce the amount of prisons we have and the amount of prisoners we have. I think that's possible, but like to completely like get rid of them all together. I think that's kind of more of like a utopic feeling. That, yeah. Than like an act- I, I, it'd be hard to get there. Yeah. I think it's more of like a utopic feeling than like an actual reality the the only the only kind of implementation i can imagine is you this is like some sci-fi dystopian stuff Mm. but you put some sort of implant in someone that i don't know somehow restricts their mobility or their oh or or you have that that one movie with uh with tom cruise where they have like the crime bureau so they can basically know if you're going to commit a crime and prevent you from committing it and they punish you for the crime that you were going to commit, but you haven't actually done because they can read your mind. Um, I can't remember what the name of, of that movie is. Oh, I, I can't either. Wasn't it like they used, um, they just had a bunch of data yeah. and they used them. So that actually wraps around to something else I want to talk about because I remember, I haven't seen the movie, but I know the plot of the movie is eventually the data says Tom Cruise oh, Minority is Report. going to commit yeah, minority. minority report. Eventually, Tom Cruise is going to commit a crime, yeah. so he has to be executed. Yeah, right? yeah, that's the plot. Yeah, that's the plot. So, similar, that is the state just deciding, oh, this person needs to die, so let's get it done. Um, similarly, that's another reason why I am opposed to the death penalty, and honestly, my primary reason is I don't trust the government to just decide who gets to live and die. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, there have been there. We've spoken before, we already mentioned this, but there have been examples, proven examples, where people who are innocent have been executed. The the one I always think of, and I, it's been a while since I've heard the story, I might get some details wrong, I apologize. I, I learned about this a few years ago when I was listening to a true crime podcast. Oh. And there was a, I believe this was in the first half of the 1900s, I believe. Mm-hmm. There was a mentally challenged uh, man who was accused of a murder and they convicted him. He didn't do it, but they convicted him of the murder and he was at this prison for a long time and he was kind of like a child and everyone kind of like, you know, treated him like a child. Like they gave him toys. The warden was really nice to him and, Mm. you know, they, they treated him as best you could someone in a prison. But then the orders came down, hey, it's his execution date. And even after that, I think they had found the real murderer. But the orders had already been given, like, for some reason, everything had already been set up and there was nothing that could be done. And, um, I mean, it was carried out. And I think basically everybody involved knew he was innocent but it still went through 
and you know he's mentally like a 10 or 12 year old kid or something like that and it was just awful you know what reminds me that what that reminds me of What's the that? green mile isn't that kind of like yeah. isn't that kind of like the same thing where the the guy is uh, mentally challenged i don't know what the politically correct word is and he's also then put to death um but yeah i'm definitely i definitely agree with you I don't think anyone should have that much power. And I think for that reason alone, I'm against it. Yeah. That being said, you know, sometimes people do need to die. I'm trying to say this. <laughs> if, if they're a direct threat to people, yes. So, for example, like if someone breaks into to where I live right now, I, I will defend with lethal force. Like that's just what's going to happen. I'm not even going to question it. I'm not going to hesitate. Um, if you're you know, kick in my door, I'm assuming the worst. You're, you're a direct threat. When someone's in prison, they've been detained by the state, they are no longer a direct threat. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that kind of leads into like, I guess like a mini side topic, which is, you know, like the whole stand your ground laws and whether or not, and in which situations you are justified in using uh, lethal force to defend your life, kind of like this whole castle doctrine, which is basically what you just said. Yes, Montana does have Castle Doctrine. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Castle Doctrine is, I guess it stems from the like the medieval mindset of um, your home is your castle, so you're allowed to defend your home in that sense. And I'm definitely in agreement with you. Um, now, under what circumstances you should be allowed to, you know, I guess the self the self defend with lethal with lethal force. I think that's kind of in a gray area. But principally, of course, you know, if you're defending your life, then I think you're, I think I like the the European position or the German position, which is you're allowed to use as much force as necessary to remove yourself from the situation. And if that means, you know, ending someone's life, then unfortunately, so be it. But I think a lot of people kind of jump the gun, (laughs) so to speak, and they skip all those steps and they just, you know, shoot. So, and, go on. It, it's it's complicated. Definitely. Um, oh yeah. If you're taught if you're taught firearms self defense, at least in the U.S., it's very black and white. You either are not. I mean, of course, you try and de-escalate. You try and de-escalate. But if you think it is going to escalate to the use of force, um, to the use of uh, to the use of you pulling a firearm, um, you don't play games. You don't fire warning shots. Center mass. Unload. That that's what you're taught. Um, for a lot of reasons, um, if you try to do something, you know, if you're trying to cowboy it and shoot the gun out of their hand, like it's a movie, <laughs> like, yeah, one, you're probably going to miss. And then, the, you know, they're going to shoot you and you're going to die Two, you're going to miss and it might hit someone else. That's the same reason why you don't do warning shots. Like if you just shoot at their feet, well, that bullet's going to bounce. It's going, it's going somewhere. I didn't think about that. And if you shoot it against the ground, that bullet may have uh, fragmented. So now maybe you have a spread of hot, sharp lead flying out there. Hmm. Honestly, I never thought about so, it like that, but you're you're definitely correct. I think, and same with when you're defending your living space, it it depends on um, the kind of situation you're in. So if you're in an apartment building, and someone kicks in your door you got to keep in mind there are people living left right maybe up and down like you have to Mm. maybe across the hall too you have to 
you can't just you know start firing you have to be smart about it because there have been cases of people shooting through walls i think there's even been cases of people using a rifle for self-defense oh wow and the shot has gone through their house into another house i didn't know that but yeah, definitely i think like those are very abstract situations that it's really hard to know how you'll react until you're in them you know because you have like the whole like moral dilemma you know, if like if you had to shoot person A or shoot person B, which one are you going to shoot? And you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to shoot person A. But you never know until you're actually in that situation how you're going to react. And I think it's the same way with like your feelings about the death penalty. I don't think you'll truly know what your feelings are until you're actually in that situation and you have to make that decision, you know, do because there have been like cases where the families of the victims have been against the death penalty. So they, they didn't want the perpetrator to be put to death. They wanted him to be in prison. So they were actively fighting for the, you know, the killer so that he, did, he wasn't put to death. And then when you get into that situation, then I feel like you can say, these are my true feelings. But you and I, I guess we're kind of extrapolating a little bit um, because I, I don't, we've never been in situations. But I do stand by your position and my position um of how i feel about self-defense and like the death penalty um i just i feel like some people are just you kind of gung-ho and trigger happy but granted yeah like in the situations you uh presented honestly that's for me a very new perspective i didn't think about it like that but all yeah it's it's complicated it's super that's go on and and that's what's complicated when you have you know there are a lot of people who are very against people owning firearms and i i understand that i'm i'm definitely not a yeehaw let's start <laughs> you know passing them out to everyone yeah i'm that being said there's a lot of complexity that goes into and, and not and, and i understand not not every gun owner is a responsible gun owner but there's a lot of complexity that goes into responsible self-defense um i mean we've talked we've i think we've already done an episode about like owning guns but and I guess I can echo my sentiment from, from that point, which is I'm not, a, I, I am more or less very much opposed to like guns in, you know, I guess in any sits, except for like even hunting, but you know, you, you got to pick and choose your battles. And I don't think you're really, um, you're going to really convince everyone. I would be fine no. if people didn't have, you know, like, like automatic or semi-automatic guns. Like if like if we could just take that off the table, I think I'd be much more comfortable. I mean, okay, then you let them keep them let them keep like pistols or whatever, but like you don't need like an AK forty seven. You just you just don't. Um, They're real fun to shoot. Though. I mean, sure. I mean, and drive and like having a race car is fun too, but <laughs> <laughs> but you don't like you don't need to own one. So, I mean, granted, I mean maybe you can like I don't know like have like shooting ranges where you can shoot off like semi automatic rifles, but you can't take them home with you or something. But I don't. I don't think people actually need that. I think they want that. And uh, you know, to wrap it back to what we were talking yeah. about earlier, where we don't trust the state to have the power to kill people. Yeah. I don't trust the state without society having the power to kill them. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I want. You know, I'm not saying I want to kick down my front door and go march towards my local city hall and just you know attack it. But if for some reason something ever happens, I mean, 
It's not like we've never seen governments become authoritarian nightmares before. Um, yeah, I mean that's a, that's a common sentiment, and I think that just that shines light on the the fundamental distrust people have towards their own government, which is a huge problem, because if you live in a democratic society and you can't trust your government, then do you really live in a democratic society? And that and that's the kind of like the way I see it. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why Americans are very like pro-gun, pro-death penalty, because there's just this fundamental disconnect between me as a citizen and the government, you know? Mm. And uh, I guess that'll, that's my last, my last point before, yeah. before we wrap well, it up. Well, we've, we've seen, we've definitely over the last few years seen that for better and for worse. I definitely don't <laughs> trust the government like at all. <laughs> I don't. Um, no, I mean, I trust it to do, I trust it to do certain things. I trust it to do what I expect it to do. I don't always, I don't trust it to act in my best interests always or in the best interests of the world. Yeah, amen to that. No, no, I definitely don't. I think the government, any government really, like whether it's the Canadian or the American or the German or the French, I do trust those governments to do a good job. And for the most part, I feel like they do do a good job. Um, I mean, the country is up and running. People have like their systems put in place, you know, like you have like good education, you have, you have streets. Uh, this and that you know you have like a military police force for better or for worse so obviously they're doing something um but beyond that I, I don't think the government is in anyone's best interest other than their own and i think like i said from that episode there was a quote by ronald reagan that that i really like which was uh the the nine most dangerous words you can say in the english language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help <laughs> or something like that. And that's, uh, which there's always rich coming from him. Yeah. 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 Um, it was meant to be kind of like a tongue in cheek thing. So, but yeah, uh, that's my last point. What's your last point before we head on out the door? So it's, it's tangentially related, but I think it's a, it's a good quote. So I wanted to, I wanted to give it, it's having to do with, you know, lack of trust for government. You never know when the government's going to go a bad way. Um, it's gonna go about bad path. Uh, I I I found this. I, I see this every now and again when I'm perusing the uh, the Socialist Rifle Association subreddit, and it's a a fascist train today. <laughs> Did you? Is <laughs> one of my favorites. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you may not like them, but they're out there practicing right now. And if for some reason something bad happens, they're gonna be ready. So. Maybe you should be ready to. Yeah. All right. That was a very difficult and nuanced discussion. Thanks so much for listening. Yes. Thanks, everyone. You have a good couple weeks and we'll be back. All right. See you then. <laughs> Bye. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it was informative and that we were able to expand your worldview, even if only just a little. We always welcome feedback, comments, and constructive criticism. If you'd like to provide us with any, please reach out to us at our Discord or email address, both of which will be listed in, in the description. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>